Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. Happy musing. Passages that I'll refer to, first of all, Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. So in other words, somebody that's uh, having a hard time, somebody that's fallen, somebody that is uh, following in a sin, um, we're supposed to uh, help each other and to restore them gently. It doesn't use the word forgiveness, but it is... uh, it's a key passage in helping one another um, maintain our walk with Christ. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, In your anger don't sin, don't let the sun go down while you're angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Again, there's no reference to forgiveness there, but the negation of anger in our lives when we don't, when we do walk in anger, when we don't forgive, the enemy seems to gain a foothold in our lives and... Uh, Uh, plants a seed of bitterness that grows up into a tree that people eat the fruit of. And uh, Hebrews 12 says many are defiled as a result. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So his forgiveness of us is obviously a the model, our basis of, of walking in forgiveness with each other. And then Luke 17, 3 says, If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Kind of clear, isn't it? If he sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. That's not to say, in my opinion, that we only forgive those who repent, because I think... Jesus modeled to us when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. I think he modeled to us the kind of forgiveness uh, that is kind of a preemptive strike. I forgive you even before you repent. And if you repent, I think we go to another level of, of forgiveness. Somebody said forgiveness is the odor of flowers when they're trampled on. Uh, recently, I was reading a a manual that uh, is directed to Christians regarding getting free from addictions. And one of the causes of addiction, uh, whether regardless what kind of addiction is being addressed, uh, the author is, uh, has this opinion that unforgiveness has a tendency to work a wound in somebody's soul that uh, could potentially lead to some sort of addictive behavior, some sort of inappropriate, sinful, addicting, addictive behavior. One of the things that he says in his paper is that forgiveness comes in two stages. And I thought these were, these were uh, insightful. The legal transaction and the emotional transformation. The legal transaction being, he says, you, you've, uh, you must have somebody bigger than you to carry the sins of others. Jesus Christ came to carry the sins of all. You're not big enough to carry them. If you try, it'll kill you. There's a time that when you, when you need to transfer the sins of others from your account to God's account, they owe him now. I thought that was good. So a legal transaction, it's kind of a business deal. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to put their sins against me or against God or against others. 
on the shoulders of somebody that is capable of carrying them, that being Jesus, the lamb that takes away or carries the sin of the world. And then the, the second stage is the emotional transformation. And he says the legal transaction doesn't automatically make the hard feelings go away. Your emotions change as you continue to release those people every time you feel hard feelings rise up against them. You overcome an emotion, he says, with a belief, not another emotion. So when you feel the emotion, you point to the time when you, or the, the time you believe you transferred those people to the only one who can take their sin, and you release them again. So there's a continual uh, aspiration toward deeper forgiveness. I said in, in our message recently that sometimes forgiveness takes time. Usually it's proportionate to the severity of the grief that you were given from somebody's sin against you or against God. And somebody put it this way, that it's, it's more like writing a book than a letter. A letter is uh, when you write your thoughts, you sign it, you seal it, you send it. But a book is, involves you know, many cycles of writing and rewriting and sending in and getting it back and rewriting and so on. And sometimes forgiveness, depending on the, the, purport, uh, you know, the level of severity of the grief that was caused you from somebody's sin against you, sometimes it takes time is what I'm saying. And then what I'd like to do is I'd like to list oh, five, six, seven things that forgiveness is not to try to clear up some, some thoughts about this and what forgiveness is. The first thing that I would say that forgiveness is not, it's not denying what they did. Forgiveness is not saying, you know, oh, it didn't really happen. I'm not going to believe that. I'm just going to go into a, a belief system that denies the reality of somebody's sin against me or against God or against somebody else. Secondly, it's not minimizing what they did. It's not putting it on the fringe. It's not shrinking it down. It's not saying, oh, that's not really any big deal. And, and sometimes it isn't really any big deal. And it's to your uh, proverb says that it's a good thing to overlook an offense. And so if it is a minimal thing, don't make it a big thing. But if it is a big thing, something that's a grievous offense against, don't minimize it. And forgiveness isn't minimizing. Uh, thirdly, it's not excusing what they did. Well, it's not really their fault. Uh, they, you know, they had a hard upbringing. Now, I think we should take into account, by the way, things uh, that are in people's lives and uh, things that predispose them to certain modes of thought and behavior. Uh, in fact, I think that's part of what forgiveness is, and I think that's part of what Jesus meant when he told us to wash each other's feet because we're we're actually looking at the you know, what they've walked through to get to the place where they are. But that doesn't mean excusing what they did. That doesn't mean saying it's okay because they had a father that beat them. Uh, forgiveness is saying they shouldn't have done this, but I do forgive them nonetheless. Number four is uh, forgiveness is not forgetting what they did. Now, there's a sense that we forget, a sense that we don't live in, the, in, the, in constant pain of this violation of us or of God or somebody else. But we, it's not like we're, it's, we have amnesia about it. It's not like we can't remember that it was ever even done. Uh, number five, re, uh, forgiveness is not repressing our feelings about what they did. It's not having these, awful, these, these harsh feelings that we don't want to feel, so we just repress them and, and make ourselves not feel it. I remember... Uh, years ago, as a young pastor in my 20s, uh, a young couple came to me and 
told me about how the, the wife of this couple, this young woman, had years before been gang raped at a party. And she, uh, the reason she was bringing it up was because somebody in our had just visited our church that was at that party and even friends with those people that perpetrated that crime against her. She, the, he wasn't part of the crime, but he was friends with them and, and uh, brought it all up for her. And as I interviewed her as this young pastor and, and her husband, um, I was shocked to know that she had never, ever allowed herself to feel angry about being raped, uh, brutally raped by this gang of, of young men. I've since realized that's just a you know coping mechanism that people have. And sometimes Christians feel the necessity of just repressing our feelings because they're bad feelings. But no, those, those are... Anger is a righteous indignation is a good thing, is a healthy emotion to have when somebody's been been violated, especially to that degree. And so in order to forgive it, uh, oftentimes we have to feel it before we can forgive it and uh, then put our feelings uh, into the hands of Jesus and ask him after we've made that legal transaction to put it on his shoulders and then trust that our emotions will catch up with what we've declared to be true about our forgiveness with them, and sometimes that just takes time. Number six, forgiveness is not automatically trusting this person again. You know, it's different. Uh, There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. I heard somebody recently say, I forgive you. It will take me a a while to trust you again as they earn uh, that trust back. And then uh, forgiveness is not number seven, reconciling totally with them necessarily. Now, that would certainly be a goal that we always have uh, to reconcile with people. But sometimes that's not going to be possible because the other individual isn't ready to be reconciled or there may be trust issues that still have to be worked through and so on. But forgiveness is, is the foundation of reconciliation, but it's not the same thing as And I I think I'd say one other thing here about forgiveness, what it's not. I don't know if this fits here exactly, but, you know, the question comes, what about when they don't ask for forgiveness yet? And I have a story about that. I I had a a professor in Bible college whose name was Dr. Hammond. And Dr. Hammond, when I was in college, was probably 60, 65 years old. Uh, But it was about 10 years later, so he might have been 70, 75 uh, and the college that I went to, Life Bible College down in Southern California, was in a real, kind of a re- very bad area of town, uh, of L.A. And um, one day, going to his car, one night, I should say, after night school, uh, Dr. Hammond was going to his car, and uh, he was beat up brutally by a, a young man. And the man uh, robbed him and so on. Well, Dr. Hammond uh, was a, a wonderful Christian man, and 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 had known Jesus forever and ever and just knew the word of God and was a beautiful, beautiful Christian man. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he uh, tells the story about how he began in the next, within the next days, he, he, I think he actually even had to go to the hospital with his injuries. He began to forgive this young man. And even before the young man asked him to forgive him, he began to forgive and began to pray blessing on him and uh, and so on. And uh, some months later, this young guy comes to Dr. Hammond's office, and it's the guy that had beat him up. And he asked Dr. Hammond to forgive him, told him that he had become a Christian, 
uh, and that he was enrolling in the, the very Bible college that Dr. Hammond was teaching in because he wanted to become uh, a man of God and a preacher. And that just, and of course, he, he totally reconciled with him, and, and they, I, I, I believe they actually became friends. Well, what a great story that is of even before for, uh, forgiveness was asked for, he had already uh, unilaterally and preemptively forgiven the young man. Let me give you a few things that I think forgiveness is. I think it's, a, I, I think it's an act of the will. It's, it starts with an act of the will, volition, that will eventually, hopefully, prayerfully, in time, lead to a feeling and an emotion. So it starts with volition and moves to emotion. But I don't think you can wait until you have an emotional good feeling about a person before you begin to forgive them. I believe that we're supposed to do this uh, by an act of our will uh, preemptively. Number two, uh, forgiveness is leaving the punishing to God. That if there is a, to be punishing at all, you know, the Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so the judgment is best done by God. And when we're judging people and when we're wanting them to be punished, when we're looking to punish them, I think we're elbowing in on God's exclusive territory. Uh, we're saying God isn't going to do his job. I've got to help him. I've got to punish this person who hurt me and so on. Now, that doesn't mean if somebody's committed a crime that we wouldn't uh, uh, let the legal system take its course. I'm not talking about a criminal activity now. I'm just talking about uh, an, an offense against us personally and us wanting them to be punished by either our anger or us to spread the story to gossip about them and have other people angry with them or whatever. Number three, uh, forgiveness is refusing to keep resentment alive by retelling the story. And I say this to people, if you need therapeutic interaction with a therapeutic person, uh, that's one thing. You know, if you need, uh, in it, while you're forgiving somebody, to go to somebody that's therapeutic and, and tell them the story so that you can receive accountability and prayer and so on, that's, that's, that's one thing. But usually what we want to do is to keep our enemy from being admired by other people so we tell the story to other people because we want others to think less of them in our attempt to see them punished. And so, in other words, if somebody's offended you, hurt you, and when you hear somebody saying something good about that someone that you know something bad about, and you want others to feel as bad as you do about that other person, so you tell them the bad that you know uh, so that you can keep your bitterness alive, that's not right. That's the wrong thing. In fact, you know, resentment, the word resentment is, uh, comes from a Latin root of re, which means to continue to do over, and then sentir, actually the the, the, the Spanish word for feeling, to feel, is sentir. So, so to resent means to feel it over and over, to harbor your grudge. You want to continue to feel it so you tell other people because then they'll feel it and so on. You know, Hebrews, he says, spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Incite people to do good and to love uh, instead of inciting them to do something unloving or to do something bad. And so telling the story over and over is not part of forgiveness. We need to refuse to do that. Number four, I think uh, forgiveness is being as merciful as God is with you, merciful with them as God is with you. 
See, because I, I think this self-righteousness is as repugnant to God as our unrighteousness. In other words, their unrighteous act toward us is bad, and so is our self-righteous act toward them, wanting them to be judged in mercilessly by God, but will receive mercy as we give mercy. And so the same tendency or the tenacity with which you tend to want to hold on to your grudge, use that same tenacity to release it and be merciful to people as God is merciful to you. Number five, it's resisting bitterness in your heart. I quoted this earlier, uh, Hebrews 12. He says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. And a root of bitterness, in other words, something that we kind of keep underground, like a root is underground. We keep it under the surface, but we let it grow up into a tree that bears fruit. And then now we're a bitterness tree that people pick the fruit off and, uh, and become defiled. Thereby, uh, he says, and trouble you and thereby many be defiled. And you should know that that word trouble in that passage in Hebrews twelve fifteen is only used one other time in the New Testament. And that's in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 18, where he's describing the condition of a demonized person who was troubled or vexed, King James says, by demons. And so that, you know, the enemy, again, he lingers around bitter hearts and loves to uh, exacerbate the, uh, the bitterness and then uh, multiply it through uh, our unforgiveness of people. I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer where he says, uh, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, we daily need forgiveness as much as we need daily bread. And we also need to daily pray that we'll have the grace to daily forgive others as a lifelong commitment and to continue to resist resentment every time it crops up. And so say we've forgiven something, we've declared it to be so before God and, and to ourselves and our accountability partner, whoever, and we see them or some that emotion comes up again, just like any other temptation needs to be resisted. I think it's at that point where we need to grab our ourselves and say, no, I'm forgiving. I, I forgive them again. In fact, let me just tell you, you know, when I'm hurt by something or somebody, somebody uh, as I'm convicted to, or as I am uh, aware of that unforgiveness, at least my practice and my hope and my desire is to continually, I start with just saying to God, Lord, I forgive that person. I name them and I name the thing that they did. I forgive them for that. I hope you will forgive them as well. Now, certainly God, I think, preemptively forgives in a way. He's paid the price, certainly, with the blood of Jesus. And he's waiting for them to confess their sin, for their record to be cleared with him. And certainly, if they confess to me and said, I'm sorry for doing that to you and repented and so on, then that I think my forgiveness even goes to another level. But I begin by stating it. I do. I Lord, I forgive. And sometimes I kind of forget to do that and bitterness builds up and I find myself being kind of weighed down by by resentment and bitterness. So I'll, you know, I'll kind of do them as one big clump of people and I, you know, take five or six or 10 people and I forgive, I forgive, I forgive because I realized I was, I seemed a lot heavier lately than, than before. One last thing that forgiveness is, is uh, number six, 
it's the desire for them to be blessed. It's the desire for them to prosper. It's the desire for this person who has hurt me to do well, to succeed. I mean, Jesus made it clear, right? Pray for your enemies and bless those who despitefully use you. And I'm not sure that he's just saying give them a verbal blessing. He might mean go serve them in some way. Letting go of your desire for them to suffer and genuinely want them to succeed and genuinely desire for them to, uh, to, to be the person God wants them to be. So you're not praying that God will throw the book at them. Rather, you're praying that uh, they'll be blessed and they'll prosper and they'll succeed. Let me just say one other thing about offenses Something that isn't often spoken of is offenses that you take up that were an offense against somebody else. In other words, when we call it taking up an offense of another person. So in other words, here's Bob that was affected, that was offended by Susie. Susie offended Bob, and so Bob then tells you about the situation, and now you're offended for Bob or with Bob about Susie. Here's what I found out about uh, taking up offenses, is that God, I believe, will give me grace and strength to overcome an offense that somebody has uh, rendered or tendered toward me. I'm not sure that he's committed to giving me grace and strength uh, with an offense that was never mine to be taken up. In other words, it wasn't an offense against me, and I got kind of ramped up by Bob's telling me the story, which was gossip and maybe slander and so on. And now I've taken up his offense. I'm not sure. And now I'm probably struggling with it more than Bob because Bob is is getting grace from God to overcome and to forgive and to release the offense. And I'm still stuck with my offense because it was something that I never should have been involved with to begin with. So sometimes we have to forgive, you know, people uh, of doing something to somebody else. And it wasn't ever our fight to begin with.